In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. Welcome to Irrelevant Words with Pastor Carl Gallops. I'm Kevin King. Hey, Carl. Hey, Kevin. Good to have you in yeah. the studio. Well, it's good to have you too, man. I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to the topic today. This is something that not a lot of people, I guess, um, pay a lot of attention to because when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, yeah. you know, he brought down the Ten Commandments. And yeah. that's what most people think. But they don't think about the seven feasts of the Lord. And that's yeah. what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And they all relate to Jesus Christ. Right. And we're looking forward to seeing how that happens. So, okay. What do you have, Carl? Well, great, man. Thanks for the setup. I appreciate it. I, hey, I'm looking forward to it. And and you're absolutely right. Leviticus 23 is where that is found, uh, the seven feasts of the Lord. And listen, more and more people are becoming much more aware of this whole connection. Uh, the deal is, though, is most most evangelical Christians and Protestant Christians, you know, that ilk uh, and, and of, of which my denomination is, but most of those either still don't know much about it or just kind of hit around the edges of it, say, oh, that's that Jewish stuff, or, you know, maybe that Messianic Jewish movement stuff. But but no, it's Bible stuff. In fact, what I love showing people is how the whole Word of God— from Genesis, literally, from Genesis to Revelation, literally, and I know that word literally is overused, but I'm using them, I'm using it correctly. From Genesis to Revelation, these seven feasts are kind of the skeleton. You know how our bodies, we've got all the nervous system and the skin and the organs, but we also have a skeleton. Why? What does it do? It holds it all together. It enables it to animate. It enables the body to animate. Well, the seven feasts of the Lord do that very thing. Now, I'm just going to run down them, but I want to go back. So, so there are seven, and the first four follow this pattern. It starts with Passover, and I'll explain when that is and what time of year, etc. And then it goes to Feast of Unleavened Bread, then it goes to Feast of first fruits. Then it goes to Pentecost or Shavuot in Hebrew. Now, those are the first four. And then the last three are tr- the, the Feast of Trumpets. And then the Day of Atonement, it doesn't really call itself, the, you know, it's not in the word as the Feast of Atonement, but it's a part of the, the seven feasts of the Lord. So it's called the Day of Atonement. In Hebrew, we hear it all the time on the news. It's called Yom Kippur. So, uh, yeah. So, um So there's that. And then, of course, the very last one is the Feast of Tabernacles. All right. So you've got those seven feasts. Now, to those that have not heard any of this before or very little of it, or maybe they've just heard it, but they've never heard it taught, you know, I I know all that can sound confusing, like, well, what do these feasts do? And what if we've never celebrated them? And what difference does it make? Well, again, it is the skeleton of literally the whole Word of God and what it is that God's up to, what His plan of the ages is is. And they start as agricultural, largely at least, agricultural feast. In other words, it was given to the people of Israel. They're coming out of Egypt. uh, They're going into the promised land. And so these feasts are built around their day-to-day lives, you know, the incoming of the harvest and various things, plus celebrating what just happened to them in Egypt and how they were delivered. That starts it all off with Passover, but it moves right on through to the Feast of Tabernacles, which tells the whole story of the Bible. And what we discover as we move through the Word of God, Kevin, 
is that Jesus Christ, of course, is the fulfillment of them all. Of course, the whole Word of God is about Yeshua HaMashiach. That's Hebrew for Jesus Christ. It's all about Him. It's all about what happened in the garden, why this world's so messed up. And by the way, Kevin, do you feel like this world's getting a little messed up? I think it every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I think most everybody does now, especially with social media and internet and people talk about all the stuff going on. They're thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening? Well, but the Word of God tells us these things were going to happen. So we're right in the middle of all of it right now. And we're watching a lot of the prophecies of the last days. And when I say last days, I don't set dates and all, but I just, I know what's happening around us. I know what the Word of God says. And I know that the seven feasts of the Lord fit into all of this. And the Bible says it does and said that it would, most specifically, though, that Jesus Christ would be the fulfillment of them all. Now, once the, 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 you know, the modern-day Christian understands those basic foundational concepts, then when you begin to understand the things that I'm going to teach. Now, for those of you that have been into this deeply and for the Messianic rabbis out there and the Messianic communities you know, of, of, of Jewish congregations that are believers in Christ, please forgive me as far as not being as intimately detailed as I know a lot of you guys are. But, you know, this is a a short radio show. I don't have time for all that. But I want people to know uh, the guts of it. I want them to know the foundation and, and, and how it all fits. But here's how the thing unravels, Kevin. So you've got these seven feasts, and the Lord declares in Leviticus 23, most English translations call them feasts. But the actual Hebrew word there is moed, M-O-E-D, which literally translates to a rehearsal, okay? A celebration of a rehearsal. Well, you know what a rehearsal means. If I'm, I am a preacher and if I'm doing a wedding, uh, we almost always have a rehearsal, okay? So the rehearsal looks and feels and acts almost like the real thing. A little more levity there, you know, we cut up and carry on a little bit, but we, we make sure we know how everything's going to unfold. Why? Because when the wedding day comes, when it's fulfilled, everything has to be perfect and it has to, you know, it has to come together perfectly. So these things are called rehearsals in the Hebrew, but they show up in our English Bibles as the seven feasts because usually the feasting is involved with rehearsals as well. Okay, now that's something interesting to know as we move forward because God says in his word that the first one would be Passover, the feast of Passover, which always is in the spring of the year. Now the ancient Hebrew calendar and even the modern one that 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 measures feasts and liturgical matters um, has 30 days in each month. So that's why when Passover is the first feast, it falls in March and, and or April of our calendar, okay? And, and sometimes the world calls it Easter week. I, I call it Resurrection Sunday or Passover week, uh, you know, the Passion week, etc. cetera. Uh, but, but why is that always different? It's because of the, the, the cycles of the moon and how the Jews measured that calendar. So the first one is always Passover. What does that do? Well, it celebrates the coming out of of Egypt out of the captivity of the Egyptians and taken eventually into the promised land 40 years later. But first they have to, you know, come out, they go into the desert, they go into the Red Sea, they go through the Red Sea, they go into the desert, etc. So that's where the first one goes. And of course, that involved the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. And you take the blood and you put it over the, the, the doorpost in a certain manner. And so then with that, uh, and, the, and the shape is the shape of a cross and you go, you know, and, and you go 
under the blood in the shape of a cross. You go through the door into the house. You partake of the Passover lamb. All who do that would be passed over when God's judgment came through the land, and then they would come out, and then they would go into the wilderness, into the desert. All right, well, all of that, I mean, for Christians, you can see, you can see the fulfillment of that in Jesus Christ. On Passover week, Jesus goes to the cross. He sheds his blood in the shape of a cross. He's there. He is the Passover lamb. Uh, we are we escape the coming judgment of God because we're under the blood when we're saved. Okay, isn't that cool? So that's just the first one. The second was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That also is fulfilled right at that very same time during Passover week and where they are to, the children of Israel are told to make bread without yeast. And so what happens is then that, that you can sustain yourself because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, decay as easily. There's no yeast in it. So it's like Jesus calls himself the bread of life. In the wilderness, they were fed manna from heaven. You know, this bread that they feasted upon. Then Jesus comes along and says, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers had manna from heaven, but whoever eats of me, metaphorically, shall never die. So it's all fulfilled in him. And in the New Testament, he's called our Passover lamb. He's called the feast. Feast of unleavened bread. He's called our living bread. The next one then is the feast of first fruits. That's fulfilled on that Sunday of that week, the first day after the first Sabbath after Passover is what God says. Well, that means it falls on a Sunday. And, and so on early Sunday morning, all four gospels tell us that they found the tomb empty. There he is, the first fruits from among the dead, he is called. Although the feast is the first fruits of the incoming harvest of the barley, etc., but it's the first fruits of the land. In other words, the land has been dead in the winter. Now it's coming to life again. Here it is. Well, here's Jesus who was crucified, dead, and buried. Now he's coming to life again at the beginning of the feast of first fruits. He's called the firstborn from among the dead. So you can see how those feasts just perfectly within that, that week period are all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and they really present the gospel message. All right, so the fourth feast is the Feast of Pentecost. That's super interesting. I wish I had time to get into all the details of it, but this is it. Jesus told the disciples, go into Jerusalem and wait. Now, he was on the face of the earth after the resurrection for 40 days. But then when he ascended, he says, go and wait. Ten days later, the promise of God came. The Holy Spirit of God comes. The church is born in downtown Jerusalem, and it happens to be on the Feast of Pentecost that the Jews are celebrating. Well, what does that celebrate? It celebrates the birth of Israel to the Jews because they claim when they came out of Egypt, they wound up at Mount Sinai, that that was the feast they celebrated celebrated um, that it was, excuse me, no, it was at that time of year when that happened, when the law was given and Israel was born under the law. But, and they also used that to celebrate the, 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 the creation of the world, all of this. Well, what happened on Pentecost, according to Jesus' command, the birth of the church? So you've got Israel being born by the giving of the law. Now you have the church being born by the giving of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the, is the head of it all, the head of everything in the Old Testament. Now he's the head of everything in the New Testament, the head of the church, everything being fulfilled in him, all being fulfilled through these feasts. Watch this, Kevin, that we're all meant to be rehearsals for the real thing. What's the real thing? Of course, it's the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection, the the ascension of Jesus Christ and his coming to rule and reign. So there are the first four feasts. And yet you cover a whole lot in a very short time. I, I really yeah. did. In fact, I amazed myself. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's very shallow for people that know all the deep details, but it's really cool. You could probably do seven shows on one of these i mean oh yeah no you really could 
You really could. It's a relevant word. This is Pastor Carl Gallops, and we still have three more to go. Yeah. After the break, three more feast. We're looking forward to hearing all about the three more feasts of the Lord. Okay. It's a relevant word with Pastor Carl Gallops, and we'll return right after the break. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Pastor Carl, or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. This is a relevant word with Pastor Carl Gallops. And Carl, we've been talking about the seven feasts of the Lord and how they pertain to Jesus Christ. And we've gotten through the first four and the final three. (laughs) We're looking forward to hearing about that. Thanks. The final three are my favorite. So for that listener out there, you know, you heard you heard me speak of the first four and how they are totally and completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And again, I just gave the brush over understanding of it. But but for someone who's never heard this before, that you that I gave you the basics of what you need to know. This is God's word from all the way back, and it it, it it truly goes to Genesis and the creation because those feasts even celebrate that. But that is all celebrated in Jesus. Why? Because he's the creator. The New Testament tells us that. He calls himself the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So it's all about from Genesis to Revelation and the seven feasts, really the skeleton to the whole biblical message. So, so But the last three feasts that we haven't covered yet. So from Matthew to Jude, that's the entire New Testament, except for the book of Revelation. Uh, the first four feasts are discussed. Uh, you know, Paul talks about them a lot, but but even the Gospels show you what's happening and how it's being fulfilled. And some of the gospel writers even say, you know, he became our Passover lamb. He is the lamb, the lamb of God that was slain. Okay. So by the time we get to Jude, we realize that, okay, uh, we have seen maybe a, a feast of tabernacles celebrated in Jesus' life, talked about in the in the ta- in the, uh, the the gospels, but it doesn't really unfold and tell us how Jesus is the fulfillment of that. For example, we see Yom Kippur, the feast of atonement, fulfilled. I mean, excuse me, we see it celebrated in some of the gospels. They talk about it now. It was the great feast or the the, high, the highest holy day, etc. That would be the feast of uh, more than likely the feast of atonement, Yom Kippur. But it doesn't really tell us how that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But by the time we get out of the Gospels and we start moving into the letters of Paul and to, and to Peter later on and Jude and James and these guys, they reveal that that all of these um, uh, are fulfilled in Jesus, the first four. But the last three, by the time we open the pages of the book of Revelation, we run into the Feast of Trumpets, 
the Feast of Atonement. Yes, we do, and I'll explain all this. And the Feast of Tabernacles. Those words are used in the book of Revelation. Now, follow me, folks, because the book of Revelation is about the last days and how it's all going to wrap up. And, of course, you know, I love teaching on that, and that can go on for months and months or years and years. Uh, and uh, But uh, you can go to my website, and you can see the, the whole teaching of the book of Revelation there. I've got it in segments. But the bottom line is that Revelation is given about the last days and how everything is finally fulfilled and culminated in Jesus Christ. So the first thing we run into regarding the feast are this picture in the book of Revelation of the seven trumpets. Now, the number seven means completion and perfection. Seven trumpets are blowing. Well, the purpose of the early and ancient feast of trumpets was they're just simply told in Leviticus 23, the people of God are said now on this day, the first day of the seventh month, it doesn't tell you how many trumpets it says go throughout the land and blow, blow trumpets. Well, what are trumpets? Well, to the people of God, they always served as words of warning or words of let me get your attention or words of, hey, uh, the king is coming, everybody salute him, or hey, a battle is getting ready to ensue, the enemy's on the plains, or, or hey, we're getting ready to start a worship service, blow the trumpets, and now we're going to give praise to the Lord. So all through the Bible, trumpets are something for God's people to get their attention. And so we move into the book of Revelation, and we run right into seven trumpets. Let me have your attention. The first trumpet blew. This happens. Let me have your attention, world. It's getting close. The second trumpet blew. Here's what's happening. Hey, people of God, listen up. The third trumpet blows, and here's what's happening, so that we will know the times in which we're living. All right. So those those are all fulfilled in the number seven. There's seven of them, I'm convinced, because that's God's per, number of perfection and it, it, and completion. And so we run right into this imagery of the Feast of Trumpets. Why? It's all about Jesus returning, and it's warning God's people. It's warning the world. It's warning those that are not under the blood. You better get under the blood. It's kind of like Noah. I got an ark here. You better get on board because the rain's getting ready to come. That's what the trumpets are. So then the next feast, the Feast of Atonement, Yom Kippur in Hebrew. Well, what that is all about, and it, it, it is the highest holy day. It's really not called the Feast of, of, of Atonement. It's called the Day of Atonement. Why? Because that one day a year, the great high priest would go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies behind the sacred curtain where the Ark of the Covenant was, would take the blood of the sacrifices that were done in ceremonial, uh, ritualistic ways prescribed by God, and then and, and between the trumpets blowing and the Day of Atonement, which was on the 10th day of the seventh month, you had 10 days there. They're called the 10 days of awe. In other words, it's a time. All right, we've heard the trumpets. Now comes a great high priest taking the blood of the sacrifice for our sin and for our nation's sin, the, the nation of Israel, into the temple, into the, into the tabernacle for the longest. And, and if the high priest has cleansed himself, if he's the perfect high priest, and if he does everything right, and if the people have been praying, and the people have been fasting, and the people have been singing and worshiping and repenting, on that day when everything is done just right, God's wrath will pass over them for a 
another year. They, they, they are under God's protection, and the nation is under God's protection. He'll hold back the enemies, et cetera, et cetera. That's what it meant, and that's how it was originally celebrated. Now we come into the book of Revelation, and now we've read the whole uh, New Testament, and now we understand, oh my gosh, this is about Jesus. He is the great high priest. He doesn't need to sanctify himself because he's without sin. Yes, he's going to do it perfectly. Of course he's going to do it perfectly. And he's not just going to sacrifice a lamb. He is the lamb. He will sacrifice himself. He will offer himself as the lamb of God on Passover. Okay, That's why the Bible says that he is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. The book of Revelation says it. Peter says it. So, so Jesus is the great high priest. He comes with the blood, his own blood. That has all been done now in Jesus Christ. The question is, are we willing to repent? Are we willing to fast? Are we willing to fall on our knees before the Lord and the great high priest who is Jesus Christ and say, oh God, save me, save me. And that's how salvation occurs. That's how being born again occurs. What? Because we're under the blood. But watch the book of Revelation calls them the seven bowls of wrath. This comes after the seven trumpets. We see this because those that are not under the blood, those that are under the blood have already been taken into heaven. You call it the rapture or whatever word you want to use, but they are in the presence of God. Three or four different times we see this great multitude around the throne and they're singing their praises of worship to the Lord and they're saying, now the great day of your wrath has come. Why has God's wrath come? Because the rest of the world did not pass the muster of the day of atonement. They would not get under the blood. They would not pray. They would not fast. They would not repent. They would not weep over their sin. They would not worship the Lord. And now the great day of God's wrath has come. That's the feast of atonement. It's right there in the book of Revelation. Then you get to the last two chapters, chapter 21 and 22. It's the restoration of all things. The great white throne of judgment has already occurred. All of that is over and all the things in between. And then Revelation 22, John says, and I heard a voice from heaven. And I saw the throne and the voice that came from the throne. And, 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 and God said, now the dwelling place of God is among men. But that's what the English says. But a lot of the translations say, because this is what the Greek word is that matches the Hebrew word if it was written in Hebrew. But the Greek word, it literally says, now God tabernacles among his people and his people tabernacle with him and they will be with him and he will be their God. Be no more pain, no more crying, no more death. The old order of things, no more mourning. The old order of things has passed away. Now all things are made new. And in chapter 22, you see the restoration of the garden of Eden inhabited by God's people who are under the blood, who've come through all the seven feasts, the seven rehearsals, all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And the book of revelation ends with the tabernacling of God. And that means living with him, dwelling with him. The ancient Jews celebrated it, and they still do today, those that are Orthodox, by building little tents and stuff in their backyard, and then they'll eat eat under it, and they will celebrate that God brought them out of Egypt, and they lived in tents in the wilderness. But the ultimate tabernacle is when we leave this tent, the body, and then we have our new bodies, and we live in a new paradise with the Lord Jesus. Now, how do we take the seven feasts of the Lord— 
You've explained very well, and thank you for doing that. Yeah. How do we celebrate that today? Yeah. Well, thank you for asking that. And so for, for those that are listening to this right now, let me just tell you, first of all, we just celebrate in our heart and our soul. We think about these things. You know, save this broadcast. Listen to it often. Uh, share it with others. And especially as these feast days roll around, when the actual feast days roll around, some Christians go so far as to kind of celebrate the rules, I mean, the rituals of the ancient Jews. That's fine. But remember, most of the ancient Ancient Jews and even modern-day Jews, a lot of them, most of them reject, still reject Jesus Christ as Messiah. So they do not celebrate that these are fulfilled. And I'm not disparaging Jewish people. I love Jewish people and love the nation of Israel. But I'm just telling you the truth, folks, that when the way we celebrate, the way I celebrate as a preacher is whenever these feasts roll around, I preach all this in great detail. Like when Passover's there, I take a whole sermon or two, Sunday or two, and talk and preach how it's all fulfilled filled in Jesus. Same thing with every one of the feasts. And as long as we understand that it's all been fulfilled in Jesus Christ for us, that's what they're there for. They're rehearsals for the great wedding day. And they were all fulfilled in him. And we understand that. And we live that. And we preach that. And we teach that. And we celebrate that. And we sing to that. And we sing praise to that. Then for the born-again believer, you are celebrating. You are commemorating. You are Because the real thing has happened in you. Between you and Jesus, all of that stuff before were the rehearsals, the moeds. And now the celebration. And now the celebration. Yeah, That's right. And, and the whole Word of God, the whole Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, that's what it is. It's the skeleton that holds the whole thing up. Thank you for listening to the seven feasts of our Lord and for listening to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to sharing some time with you next week. Same time, same place. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. You can find Pastor Carl at carlgallops.com.